0: Took come out with a heat seeker, there's something else, Major. Hmm? But there's something else. Hmm? Six men hmm? wearing U.S. issued army boots. Hmm? They
1: came in from the north, hmm? and then they followed the guerrillas.
0: Mean hmm? anything to you? Probably just another rebel patrol. Hmm? They operate here all the time.
1: Seeker. Pretty sophisticated for a bunch of half-ass mountain boys. Welcome to Predator Minute, the podcast that breaks down the 1987 action sci-fi classic, Predator One Minute at a Time. My name's John.
0: And I'm Jeff Glover.
1: Today we're talking about Minute 14 of Predator. Minute 14 opens with Dylan Dylan Concho in the snuggle shack. And it <laughs> and it ends with Dylan! Speculating who the extra footprints could belong to. Mmm. So we're having some dialogue after a couple minutes. Dialogue free. Action, music, scenery. Finally. Uh, Jeff, what do you want to start talking about this minute? I have quite a few lists that you could choose from if you really wanted, or you could go from your own notes.
0: which I have so many of those. Let me, let me look at them right now. <laughs> um, so I actually, with this minute, I think I need your help deci- deciphering sure. uh, kind of some details here because when I watched this movie, especially when I was younger, the the beginning part of the movie always just sort of like flew by in the periphery for me. And it's all, it was always about, you know, when we get to the showdown with, with uh, Arnold and the predator. So there's some details happening here. Um, We, so in the previous minute we found the down chopper with the bodies inside, the guts were ripped out, that whole thing. The snuggle shack. The snuggle shack. Yeah. Carl Weathers poked his head in. (laughs) <laughs> all lovingly um so then we get some uh, dialogue between uh who is it poncho and dutch mm-hmm. and so i guess what i'm trying to figure out is are we to believe that the chopper was shot down by gorillas or was I this totally done? believe that okay And are we to believe that the Predator came by afterwards? Or did the Predator have nothing to do with the carnage that they found in the chopper?
1: Um, I believe we have not seen the beginning of the Predator's handiwork yet. I believe that the prognosis that Dutch gives uh, that a heat seeker took out the Huey is correct. I think that is what we're to believe and understand about the situation. In the previous minute, (laughs) I even... Cut around what you had said because you, in the previous minute, gave credit to the Predator for shooting <laughs> down the chopper, Oops. and I didn't. I didn't repeat you at all in the minute. Listening back, and I thought, oh man, I can't leave that. I'm going to cut around that. So, it, like, so tactfully said, like, you know, we can tactfully cut around it. So, um, I'm glad you brought that up because they put that in. My um, notes about who shot down the chopper,
0: and I am under, under understanding that yeah. So, see, that's speaker. this is actually, I've seen this movie like you know, 500 times, and like watching it this closely, that's a little bit of a revelation. I, in my mind, just all the violence is always done by the predator,
1: yeah.
0: So, this is this is more of them just uh kind of having their first run in with the gorillas, and then this kind of sets them on the trail, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: So, like you're saying. There's a lot to be missed here in the beginning, just like uh, the very beginning where they're showing the spaceship drop-off. The little spaceship, I think a lot of people forget that part of the movie, and they, you know, go to the moon, they're waiting for the Predator eventually to show up. I'm, I'm of the opinion it would be way cool to kind of go back in time and not see that first intro of the spaceship dropping off the little spaceship, mm-hmm. and then because the whole first half hour of the movie or so, that whole first act, you have no idea you know, if there's this predator following them. Um, do, do you see a little bit of the heat vision before they hit the gorilla camp, but you don't see the predator at all. Um, you don't see the invisible moving around, the active camouflage. I think it would be super cool to go in without seeing that spaceship scene in the very beginning. and be totally come off guard right. surprised when you're, you're When the when the team
0: starts being picked off one by one, that uh that kind of reminds me of Terminator Two, right? Because like in Terminator Two, you, I mean, going into that movie just from the advertising campaign and everything, and uh, all the 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 hype leading up to that movie, you knew that Arnold was now playing a good guy,
1: right?
0: uh, You know, T eight hundred or whatever he was. But if you watch that movie carefully. And imagine that you had no knowledge prior to going in. You don't really know who is the good robot and who is the bad robot until they kind of have the showdown in the mall, like in that hallway. Right.
1: Yeah, because that's when Arnold is, uh, yeah, pulling the saw off out of the box
0: of religion. Yeah, and he like ducks around and he protects uh, John Connor. Yeah, John Connor <laughs> protects John from the from the bullets. Most so that would be totally, You're right. That would be a great, a great way to start the film, is having that half hour of uh, just no idea that there was anything supernatural that was going to.
1: Yeah, and the cut would be so minimal. It's just you cut the first forty-five seconds or a minute, right? And that's that's right because they go to the chopper landing to the mission debriefing, um, and it's easy just to go into that. The Yeah, it's easy to go into that first half hour of the movie thinking, oh, they're just going to have a tough time basically accomplishing the mission. And then half hour into the movie, like they've accomplished the mission. So you're <laughs> well, where's the other hour going to be? They're going to have next? a hard yeah. time. we are going to see some of these jungle terrors that the field manual talked about? Yeah. I don't know.
0: We should Let's back up to the beginning of this minute a little bit. So we got some yeah. dialogue, right, between mm-hmm. uh, Dutch and Poncho. Poncho. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so... Do you want to recap what they talk about there?
1: Uh, the original script. Oh, nice. Well, I song. keep saying, I keep saying original script. But I put that in quotes because this is a script clearly that was being changed from right. the days of the film. Right. Even if they're a loose skeleton of structure left over for the first time the Thomas brothers wrote it. The original script is pretty much a line for line match to what we see in the movie. This scene, which was really handy because it was an easy copy paste and had all the lines of dialogue right. Yeah, there.
0: looking at it right now, this is pretty much line for line their conversation. Yeah, yeah.
1: So yeah, I would say in this scene, probably at least Billy's and possibly Poncho's uh, most dialogue we're going to hear from them at one time in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Poncho hustles down the Dutch, and Poncho says, "The pilots each got one round in the head, and whoever hit it, stripped the shit out of it." then Dutch says, to come out with the heat seeker. And Ramirez says, there's something else major. And that's the first of two times you hear that line, there's something else yeah, major yeah. in this in this uh, minute. So you're kind of hinted on, oh wait, maybe there is more to this than just simply rescuing or simply following the mission that we were told by Dylan. Right. And Poncho says, I don't think that was an ordinary army taxi. She looks at him or gives him like a and uh, Poncho slash Ramirez says, looks more like a surveillance bird to me. He's saying this last line as Dylan is coming up behind him to join the conversation. That's right.
0: And that's when we get a little bit of, uh, you put this in your notes, a little bit of ADR, Mm -hmm. right? Like they must have had to cover up or change, maybe change a line, or it didn't uh, get picked up in the original filming very well.
1: Right.
0: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So he says, it looks more like a surveillance bird to me. And then Dylan asks him, "Dylan, uh, have you picked up their trail yet?"
1: Dylan's coming in, knowing that right. Like we, we, we found this thing. Like how you know, are we on the right path? Do we know what's happened? Do we know where we're going to go next? And uh, Dutch says, really's on it." Just really casual, nonchalant blind reading, which mm-hmm. I really enjoyed um, partly because it playing up Dutch's. Suspicions and treating Dylan like an outsider, like the rest of them are doing now. Right. Um, and then, like, don't worry about this. We got this. We got it. Um, We've
0: got a guy that can do that. Don't you worry about it. Exactly.
1: Exactly. And also, it reminds me very much of Han Solo talking to Lando in Cloud City of Empire Strikes Back when Lando sees that C3 Felix can busts apart. And Lando asks, Trouble with your droid? And. Pick up the trail yet? Billy's on it
0: having trouble with your drugs
1: no no problem why just just very like nonchalantly like this is our business it's none of your business yeah um, we'll take care along of with, it yeah exactly we'll take care of that along with the with the line reading itself i think both situations have that air of distrust for the ally or the former ally and
0: Dylan in this movie and Lando in the other movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> so then uh Dutch says uh, Heat Seeker pretty sophisticated Mm -hmm. for some half-assed or for half-assed mountain boys Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and And, uh, I
1: didn't quite I didn't quite understand when you talk about mountain boys if there's like some analog we have I love that line I (laughs) know it just like paints a picture it's hard to know what he means by mountain boys like just like rednecks just kind of messing around with like rocket launchers. Right, right. Just like, hold on, can you hit that, can you hit that helicopter? No way! <laughs> just, uh, dare you. Just launching a missile up into the sky. <laughs> he, he's trying to just, again, needle Dylan a little bit for, you know, what is this mission really about? I, I think he does it early on when there's debriefing in the way back when in the hat with the general. Uh, when Dylan tells them, he's starting to tell them about the mission, um, Dutch at that point, it was a few minutes ago, but Dutch at that point had turned to Dylan and just gave him this go on. It mm-hmm. very like casual kind of like prompt, but I could, you could totally see it in Arnold's line reading that um, he's, he's picking up something a little bit extra and Dylan has the light of him in this minute too at the end of the minute when um, Billy
0: gives them the report. At the very beginning of this conversation, we we skipped over it a little bit, but um, I, I really like how they have Arnold posed when when Dutch comes up. He's got like his foot up on a rock or something, like a statue, like one hand on his hip and then like his gun is over his shoulder. It's like the most stereotypical manly pose possible. He's like staring off into the wind. He looks like a unicorn on a windy cliff. <laughs> you know, and then Pancho comes running up.
1: <laughs> he does look very statuesque. and He's looking. He's aiming the the weapon basically right at the camera. His M16, yeah, A2 with the M203 attachment. I, I do like. I do like how he's right up front though. It, it is playing him as this leader who's participating, not a leader who's hanging back and ordering people. But he's like right on point. Just yeah. Waiting for the information to come back from Billy. Just, again, right there in the field and right there. Whoops. Right right there at the forefront.
0: Not afraid to be on the front lines. Yeah, exactly. All right. So so then we get some uh some information about the number of people that have uh taken the the prisoners. Right? So then Billy says, uh, Major, look, there were ten, maybe twelve guerrillas. Looks like they took some prisoners from the chopper
1: mm-hmm.
0: points. And then says there's a different set of tracks over there. Yeah, he says there's something else.
1: And then, haha, look, that, look, the sponsor said that the, a few seconds ago. Yeah, about a trail or a, a different set of prints, six sets of US Army issued boots following, following the, the guerrilla trail. So, did you have any questions yourself about logistics right here? About looking back on this and saying, like, who is doing what, who's going where?
0: Yeah, so, so as I understand it, so. As you can see, I'm not a predator expert. I'm, I'm just uh, a lowly fan who brushes through the first 30 minutes to get to the good part. <laughs> so there was a helicopter was coming through. It was mm-hmm. taken down by the group of 12 guerrillas. Hostages were taken. The other people in the helicopter were killed. Mm-hmm. They leave. Another group of six soldiers comes through. And we are assuming that those six soldiers are supposed to be on the trail yes. of these same twelve prisoners. Yes. Okay. All right. Yes. Now I get it.
1: I also take it to mean that Dylan knows exactly who these people are, and we'll find out a lot more in two or three more minutes.
0: I can't wait till you get to the rebel camp.
1: Yeah, that too. I mean, that's all uh, Billy has. His longest line dialogue probably in the movie right here, where he's reporting on his scouting duties, his tracking duties. Uh, he's actually. In my eyes, he's becoming the tracker, the point man, the scout mm-hmm. for this group that everybody says that he is. So uh, he's coming back to Dutch. He says major a couple times. I don't know if this is a John McTiernan decision, but he says major. As you see him approaching, you can see him say major again a second time, but you don't hear it. So that line was 80 yard out. It was, hmm. it was like anti-80 yard. It's like, oh, <laughs> we're going to cut John McTiernan to saying like, for the sake of efficiency, cut that second thing. Arnold should be Arnold, Arnold should be looking the first time he's called. You know, it's, oh, funny, it's I never noticed that. Yeah, it's, it's one of those little tiny things. He explains the situation. Looks like there are maybe ten, twelve guerrillas. Looks like they took prison. Looks like they took the two prisoners from the chopper. So he's it's not specific in the script, but it is specific in the movie here that they took two prisoners. How yeah. you'd be able to tell that? Well, you have to talk to Billy. he must be some awesome tracker. <laughs> And then he says, there's something else. There's a different set of tracks. US Army, U.S. Army boots came in from the north, followed the gorillas.
0: So we got a second set. So there's some other patrol that is also on the trail of these gorillas. Yeah, very pointedly
1: following those other gorillas. And Billy makes a point to recognize the distinction of uh, the different gear as an audience member, right, watching this for the first time. Uh, you, you're probably thinking the same thing about, like, what, like, well, who are these other people? Are we going to run into, like, another group of right. elite mercenaries or elite uh, Delta Force level soldiers like Dutch's team? I don't know. We'll have to <laughs> wait, I guess, and find out.
0: Yeah. Um, we need a, a Predator prequel that tells the story of this group of soldiers <laughs> as they're coming through the jungle. Then we can find out what actually happened. that <laughs> prequel would be about fifteen minutes long, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: and yeah, it, it, it's it's one of the uh, neat things of the movie, and in my opinion, that there are there are things happening outside of the movie that we don't see that we can just imagine in our heads that we have to imagine in our heads.
0: Yeah, no, that's a good uh, that's a good point. They the whole first you know thirty minutes of the movie is they set up the scene and it takes us to where we need to go for the. The showdown to happen with the predator, but they do leave things pretty open ended in terms of details, and I think that does the movie a, a service. It, it it makes it so that it's a little mysterious. Um, a lot of questions just kind of go unanswered. Um, a lot of people are killed before uh, they get the questions there. They get their questions answered.
1: <laughs> I I know <laughs> I that they don't really like <laughs> later on ask anybody anything about you know what's happening or the operations. Blow blow it up, blow it sky high.
0: They just blow everything up, yeah. Like, (laughs) um, you don't even really, you don't, you can't even really tell if they know that they're killing rebels or perhaps uh other U.S. soldiers because they just roll that truck down there and just start lobbing grenades. Oh man, I can't wait to get to that part, it'll be so good, but yeah, so that's that's a good recap of
1: what is actually happening in the minute and for the plot we talked about already it means that they're doing less of the roaming with less undecided paths to take and they're very much following the footprints we know from we know from what billy is insinuating
0: and so this sets them off yeah this sets them off on a direct path so they know where they're going now yep they they need to find uh, that cabinet minister and they also right sure (laughs) Yeah, and they also now have an idea of the numbers of people mm-hmm. that they're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple little things to talk about, like weapon wise, Elinda. Uh, to... Yes, yeah, you have a, some good notes on weapons, so let's see yeah, what we got. Yeah, so there.
1: Dutch mentions the word heat seeker a couple times, which is pretty sophisticated for a bunch of half ass mountain boys. <laughs> <laughs> and at the time, if these are Soviet backed guerrilla fighters in Central America, the most common. Heat seeker missile at the time would have been the Soviet-produced 9K32 Strela-2. Strela being the Russian for arrow. The NATO term was the SA-7 Grail. You know, through the whole Wikipedia article reading about it.
0: Mm. Can't can't get one of those in <laughs> Goldeneye.
1: No, there's there's something. Yeah, there's no heat
0: seeking in, in Goldeneye. Oh, the heat seekers in the Temple with uh, <laughs> remote <laughs> right. yeah golden heat seekers <laughs> one shot was kill you from a rocket launcher <laughs> right. I guess in real life too but yeah <laughs> so what era uh, was this heat seeker is this like are we talking like modern modern like this is a, a weapon that is they use now or you're saying this was I'm sorry you're saying this was the cold this war is everything Soviet backed I mean if you know you
1: know your Soviet history you know that they would churn out Tanks and weapons, and helicopters oh, yeah. at a prodigious rate, but then like that technology would be really stagnant. So something like this produced first in the '60s pretty much stayed that same technology from the '60s up to when the Cold War uh, was over. Uh, the the early 90s. Uh, The Wikipedia article rife with talking about who was using Estrella 2 at the time. Um, I focused on the Nicaragua section where it talked about the Contras backed Mm. by the U.S. and Sandinista government forces both being known for using this Soviet rocket launcher. Uh, The Soviet rocket launcher was developed based on research that the KGB, basically the CIA uh, for the Soviet Union at the time, research they're doing on the American heat secret at the time, the red eye. Uh, the American red eye eventually became the stinger, but like I was saying before, the Soviet technology stinger. The stinger, but the Soviet technology essentially stayed the same throughout the Cold War.
0: Yeah, they got all those people in the gulags just churning out the <laughs> the products. I I remember being in a rush class in college and reading that they would this is an aside, sorry everybody, <laughs> but they would uh In in those Russian, you know, basically concentration camps, gulags, where people would be imprisoned and forced into labor for decades, they would, just to keep the prisoners busy, have them churn out, like, nonsensical things. And they had pictures of these prisoners that were making, like, manufacturing, like, giant nuts and bolts that would never, ever be used for any purpose. But it was just to keep the prisoners working and doing something in the camps.
1: Wow, just like these widgets or thingamabobs or something?
0: Yeah, exactly. It could have just been uh, anything. Yeah, that's terrible. Yeah, it was uh, crazy, crazy pictures. It, I promise it's true. I, I, saw, it okay. I saw it in college. Saw
1: it in college. Yeah, so huh, don't go to the gulag where you have to make some useless widgets. It's a bummer.
0: Yeah. <laughs> the gulag's being a bummer. Instead, a hot can... take. <laughs> the gulag was a bummer. <laughs> hot take. Ah, t- tango. Okay. All right, so the so the Strela 2, so it was an actual like ground-to-air rocket launcher that could actually detect heat?
1: And it was, I believe, yeah, it, it was one that had, and I, I can explain the technology, yes, it, 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 it tailed the heat, but it could only tail the heat to a certain altitude, and when the during the Vietnam War, when the helicopter pilots, the Huey pilots were figuring that out, they would just go higher than it could detect oh, and then right. you know people parachute <laughs> that's in smart uh, which which is not going to detect the people parachuting because it's not that amount of yeah that's looking for but my one of my favorite facts from the wikipedia page is just the general name for a personal surface to air missile and it's the man pad <laughs> the man
0: The man, pad. man
1: portable air defense system the man pad <laughs>
0: it's like such a gentle name for something not something you can find in the personal hygiene section not you
1: find it a little couple aisles down you know the cabela's just right between the m16 and the m203 or the yeah 37 millimeter player launcher
0: or whatever do you have an extra man pad (laughs) i left mine at home (laughs) Um, that's hilarious Man portable air defense handpad. Yep. pad. All it's right. Air uh, the
1: Wikipedia article mentions just a couple more things about the whole Strela. Strela. Strela! Um, <laughs> 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 it was known. Uh, it was. It was credited with downing ten AH-1 Cobras, dozens of Hueys, one TA-4 mm-hmm. Skyhawk, and one AC-130. Uh, so what stood out to me was just the, the note about dozens of the Hueys. Uh, so before I, right. you know, before people figured out, oh, that like, these things are, hit things at a certain altitude um, and a certain heat signature. Um, uh, because this is, it leaves off in this fact about the Estrella being the main reason that today's military helicopters have infrared warning and infrared countermeasures with flares. It's a mountain of hot, hot flares where the heat seeker would
0: do the thing is zigzag to hit the players, um, uh, and countermeasures as opposed to the actual helicopter. Got it. Hmm. And then uh, so that's he talks about the heat seeker. We do see get a nice shot of uh, Arnold with his gun just draped over the top of him when he's standing like a unicorn on a cliff, um, <laughs> and that is <laughs> that is his M sixteen, correct? Yes, it's his M sixteen. Yeah. And he's also got some grenades like just sort of dangling from his chest. That's nice.
1: I'll, I'll, I'll do the grenade talk around the gorilla camp because that's when like we really see those Oh yeah, action. Do you think? <laughs> <laughs> we do see uh, them. The, these are like the first big IMD firearms that we're seeing this kind of long shot or long held shots on. We see... Dutch with his M16 fitted with his M203 launcher in IMD firearm database, or the internet movie firearm database that um, analyzes all the firearms you see in movies, like weapon by weapon, modification by modification, and handguard the flash hider uh, is calling his M16 with the grenade attachment a fake M203 launcher, hmm. it, meaning... It's not an actual tool into a free launcher. It's a 37 millimeter Cobra launcher. I think it's
0: because it gives the grenade launcher like that much more size and that much more yeah. intimidation. Wait, so you found that on the, what, what was it called? The internet,
1: internet movie, firearms
0: database, internet movie, firearms database. I saw that in your notes. I thought it stood for Internet Movie Fucking Database. It's <laughs> like, is fucking that a new database. one that I know? <laughs> it's the Internet Movie Fucking Database. <laughs> Could be. Yeah, when you when you go up to the website, there's just a guy that goes, "Fuck you." This is the fucking the database. database. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, the podcast just became R-rated. Sorry, kids. So
1: that's a cool weapon, and all, and that's like. An actual modification, um, you would, you would see, or something close to it with a grenade launcher at the bottom. Um, we call it underbarrel. Mm. We call it, we call it underbarrel. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Billy's gun, in my opinion, is way more impressive. So something I had mentioned in a previous minute is when they first land from rappelling down from the choppers, you see Blaine, Dutch, you see Billy, you see Dylan, Mac, all more or less with their unique weapons, either satchel or in their arms, And I was saying something like, oh, Billy is having, he has an M16, like Arnold. Wrong, obviously, because the close-up of Billy shows you what he actually has, which is, yes, an M16 rifle, just like Dutch has, but his under-barrel attachment is not a grenade launcher. It is a shotgun. It is just the front end of a Mossberg 500 shotgun. In the original screenplay, he was supposed to have into a three-grenade launcher like that, but now he has a shotgun.
0: That is pretty badass.
1: It's pretty badass. I mean, I looked up underbarrel shotguns. Is that a real thing? It's a real thing. It is The M500, from what I could find, was never a real attachment. It was just one made for the movie. Like, everything... Apparently, put this movie, for like right. the first time, like- did,
0: it's like they just found a bunch of different guns and super glued them together. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, This is yours. This is a rocket launcher shotgun. <laughs> With a rifle. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
1: we're a rescue team. We're not assassins. <laughs> Can we rescue more people with this, or with this and this balloon yeah. together? Oh my god, that's amazing. <laughs> so he has yeah, he has basically a brand new weapon just for this movie, just like Poncho has his pretend grenade launcher that's made of a flare launcher and. MP5 parts. Um, I would say <laughs> it's 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 crazy. It's like Hawkins and Dylan. They have just your generic MP5s, your right. submachine guns, and everybody else has just some ridiculous loadout. Where you're saying, oh, like these these people are so badass that they all have their own. It's loadout. like
0: a it's like the Super Soaker guns when we were kids, right? Remember the original Super Soakers was just like a single like tube. And everyone was like, whoa, look how much water you can spray. (laughs) Flash forward like 30 years and there's like backpacks and like canisters all over. Shotguns on the bottom. of Yeah. Kids have machine guns on the bottom of their squirt guns. (laughs) Fire launchers. Yeah. God, kids just have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> super Soakers really got out of control. God, I, I remember I had such a good time with Super Soakers. But, oh yeah, they were awesome. But then you have to like run over to the hose and
1: refill it because you have such a good time just spraying everybody. Oh yeah. Something to watch out for that the IM uh, that the IMDb of firearms kept mentioning <laughs> was <laughs> um, whenever you see like a straight on shot of a weapon, see if you can see it's the blank adapters, meaning like the little. Uh, attachments you'll see them in the front of the barrels of the m16 specifically uh, and what that means there are a couple things one of course these blanks in the movie but two yeah. these are by and large real guns they just converted so they didn't like build these guns like airsoft guns right that Yeah, was, like, plastic and other parts like, these are actually like you know, seven to eight pound machine guns and, and they the just super glued together
0: right <laughs> super these bad boys together <laughs> Um, that's pretty interesting that they just used real guns.
1: Yeah, real guns,
0: but like real what? <laughs> just custom guns, right? Real just guns, customized but, in the back. Yeah, like modified heavily,
1: right? Yeah, which, which I think, I, which I really appreciate about this movie. Everybody having their own thing. Nobody is like generic, and nobody's like, yeah. I'm not thinking of like, oh, is this that character and that 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 character? No, it's like those are specific, unique characters with their own personalities, their own minds, their own.
0: Guns, so IMDB firearms. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So does that kind of bring us to the uh, kind of the end of the minute? You talked about the guns. Is there anything right. else of note? I
1: did want to refer back to the field manual for jungle operations. I brought this up a couple episodes ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've been kind of referring back to it now and again. I, I think that I need to have its own music. Uh, but I looked up the section on tracking because just like Billy's doing here, determining what's happening, like what's happened in the past, like many men, it went that way. But it's it's a skill is is tracking through the jungle. Part of the guide makes it seem really easy that like. There's so many things you could disturb. with so much possibility of, like, mud, footprints. In my opinion, could would be not possible, <laughs> yeah. Right? I'd just be like, I don't, I don't know, like, uh, that way? Or then maybe there's, like, <laughs> because that could be any kind of trail. It makes a note that, it, it makes a note in regard to gorillas. So it says, tracking is important in counter-gorilla operations, where it is often difficult to locate the enemy. Gorillas who conduct raids and ambushes, will normally return to their bases as quickly as possible. Well developed tracking skills will help units to make, maintain contact with the enemy. So it's weird and then I'm reading like these things in this nineteen eighty two guide and it's like right. maybe the brothers when they're writing the script are like taking a lot of this into consideration. Like, oh like as soon as they strike they're gonna go right back to the camp. So right, right. I found I mentioned what you could look for if you are tracking someone to the jungle on a separate page. It says look for broken branches and twigs, leaves knocked off bushes and trees, branches bent in the direction of travel, tunnels made through vegetation, broken spiderwebs, pieces of clothing caught on the sharp edges of bushes, and footprints, just like Billy found. Ooh, yep. So it's really neat to see correlation between a like real-life document that would be circulating to the Army at the time.
0: Yeah, it seems like they did their research, because, I mean, beyond the uh, modified crazy weapons and whatnot, I feel like all the interactions feel realistic. -hmm. Um, The things, the decisions they make feel realistic. And, uh, you know, the way they speak to each other all seems like a group of trained professionals following protocol.
1: Yeah. And look at Poncho here at the beginning, talk about he's like he's very much whispering quickly and quietly to judge his findings he's not blurting it out he's not yelling
0: it from the chopper he's Mm -hmm.
1: right up right up next to the statue
0: (laughs) beautiful creature to have a a quiet conversation with the boss to find (laughs) out to to give him uh, the information that he needs to know to make the next decision right right yeah
1: don't tell the new guy because the new guy sucks
0: right (laughs) he's
1: ghosting us he's terrible yeah ghost the new guy (laughs) The last thing I guess we could talk about, um this being we'll said Halloween. This being Thanksgiving week, I thought what better way to celebrate Thanksgiving? One, to record a podcast about Predator, but two, think about what are some of the things you're thankful about in this movie, Predator. and um, so I have my own list of three and if you have a list of three, yeah, do um, you want we to can go, maybe trade off? We, and,
0: yeah, should we go back and forth? We should let's do we that. Shall. Let's go back and forth. Yeah. All right. So do you want to uh, start or should I start? I I can go first. Okay. My first thing my first thing that I'm thankful for in Predator is Shane Black. Ooh. I just said Shane Black because this movie Underrated. is is mostly devoid of any humor or comedy. I appreciate the Shane Black character in the beginning bringing a little levity. His jokes are f- are vulgar to be sure, but uh you can't help but laugh at them. They are funny. <laughs> they are funny. <laughs> yeah. And uh hit the, you know Shane Black is—he's the first one to die, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's quite the quite the gift he's giving us as the sacrificial lamb as yeah. the rookie. He drops a couple of vagina jokes and then he's killed. And uh, so yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I appreciate his time that we get in in Predator with Shane Black. Awesome.
1: Well, I'll go. I'll go character to character. have might three. Uh, i said jesse ventura in general just mm. everything he brings to the screen his presence and his great blend of i'm here to do work but i can also enjoy my time too i can have quippy one-liners i can really enjoy this humongous gun the biggest weaponry ever to be carried by him on screen <laughs> you know him
0: oh such great line delivery and,
1: oh yeah a few lines he has and um I, I just think he's totally committed to this part. You're not going to find better acting out of Jesse Ventura in just a few other roles, yeah, uh, in my opinion. And I, I just think he really plays an awesome part in the team.
0: Yeah, you can't imagine anyone else playing that character now that he's done it. Yeah, totally. You
1: have someone who's fully, totally, in my opinion, probably drawn attention to themselves. as like, I'm this famous person. I'm, you know, if, if you replace him with another wrestler like The Rock, then it would be, I'm The Rock, and I have my brand, and... Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's how it's going to be. I'm not going to do anything unkempt or untoward you know, against anybody. So big fan of Jesse
0: Ventura. What about you? What's your number two? Nice. All right. This one uh, is uh, alluding to uh, a scene that we've been alluding to for a while, but I- I'm thankful in Predator for uh, guys uh, on springboards. <laughs> <laughs> guys that are stuntmen that are willing to yeah! fly themselves through the air, uh, be in front of an explosion man they do that a lot and it's so great yeah. and uh it's very much this kind of leads into my third thing so I'll, I'll uh, I won't go too far but it's it's very much something of this era mm-hmm. right to see totally. just like generic bad guy flying clearly off a springboard into the air from some explosion and man, I just, they, they really do it up when they get to that part. And I yeah. love that in this movie. There's a lot of really good,
1: I'm thinking already ahead. So like there's one scene where the guy, he's, I don't think he's on fire, but he's falling from something on fire in the water. Yes. just like slow motion, just this this body just falling. Oh, I love it. For the people they fall slightly off screen, like just off camera. So right. you're like, Oh yeah, I know
0: there's something that the catcher put. Yeah, onto a nice big marshmallow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right what's your next one
1: uh my next one is just the simplicity of the script i i'm a big fan of cutting out the unnecessary parts where you need to i'm a big mm-hmm. fan of the editing in general whether, whether it's my own lessons whether it's you know editing like an email and taking things out or in this case a movie with lines of dialogue removed scenes removed which we, we haven't seen a lot of scenes really necessarily removed from the script yet but there are definitely some in the climax and in the end of the movie that they've removed mm. or just keeping things the old, simple and uh, straightforward. less is more oh, that's right? Well, yeah. Not only less is more but also allowing the cinematographer, allowing, the, yeah. allowing uh, Alan Silvestri and the sound department to do their jobs of telling the story mm-hmm. through audio and visual versus just words, 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 words words all the time. Like here in this scene, like we said, it's the first time in three minutes someone's talking and it's you know rush hush you know, right up close between two people in in a very professional manner.
0: Yeah, all right. What's your number three. My third one's a little more general and it's it's more that I'm uh, I'm thankful for movies of this type that that's kind of a general thing but what i'm saying is i'm thankful for this era of 80s action movies that came out mm-hmm. i sound like an old man but they they don't really make them like this way anymore no. <laughs> they they don't, they don't make them like they used Not at to all. so i'm thankful for predator as one of the best uh examples of this Genre. If, you know, if you are a fan of film and in particular a a fan of genre film like I am, like I love action movies, horror movies, sci-fi, things like that, then you have a particular fondness for the 80s because these types of movies were being made for people like us. They were being given big budgets big names, big directors, and you just don't see that quite as much anymore. You know, we we're getting a lot of comic book movies mm-hmm. and and other huge, massive, big budget movies. Those are really made for, you know, those are all PG-13 and uh I just really love in this era that someone would say, "No, we're going to make an R-rated action movie for adults." And uh Predators one of the best ones there is. So,
1: yeah, totally like those are the movies made to Draw the big audiences in the '80s, and if you're looking for those nowadays, those genre ones, you usually have to go overseas and watch something made in Hong Kong or yeah. South Korea or Thailand. If you're talking like the raid movies, right? Those are right, some fantastic movie-making departments for those genre films. You know, not not only just actioners, but also you have in South Korea they have a lot of like really great. Thriller, I mean, yeah. crime thriller, crime, crime drama thrillers. movies, like yeah. almost mafia-like movies. Maybe they're like kind of in the 80s department right before they're starting to go, you know, big movie, big movie, big movie, like comic book style movie.
0: Right. And the 80s was unique, too, in that you had these, you know, like these smaller studios that would just churn this stuff out. So, you know, Predator is an example of a bigger budget one. But, you know, you've got like studios like Canon Films that were just churning out action movies. You know, all the Van Damme movies are just Canon canon Films. And, uh, you know, they were just making these as fast as they could, throwing them at the wall to see what would stick. Right. And uh, you know, some went straight to video and I don't know, I just love that era of film for Era Era. For how much content there is and some of it's really good, and some of it's really terrible, but at the very least you have lots and lots to choose from.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah, like yeah, whole movie studios where people are to, to to good stuff and schlock. And <laughs> you couldn't go wrong. You knew you knew what was gonna come next Oh, Van Damme, right, and some kind of <laughs> bloody mess, like I'm gonna go see it
0: go see it Yep. All right. oh you still need your third one need my third one I'm trying to
1: oh I would say so you mentioned the 80s it gives us also there during the Cold War there is always a fixed bad guy you always had the Soviet presence anywhere yes. around the world through all the proxy wars in Vietnam and Korea to Central America where you could point and say that's the bad guy say good to the bad guy no right. <laughs> <laughs> but you could, you could point to that that force that whole of the country and the whole of the system of government slash economy, you know, the evil force of communism trying to take, take over the world and I would say we don't really have that now now we talk about terrorism but you are right. just kind of making a blanket statement about, you know, terrorism being like kind of cell based, small group based force, right. you know, there's not like one entire country anymore, you're like there's no on, right, we're not like saying all that All of Afghanistan or, you know, other countries that we have forces in right now are like the enemy and like we're, we're not trying to wipe it off the face of of the earth. Like so many people probably were ready to do with the Soviet Union. um, So we don't have that kind of punching bag of, of of an evil force that can put into the use
0: it was always that was always the go-to right like it doesn't even matter the genre yeah you know? boxing uh, I was gonna say <laughs> boxing <laughs> just get a big strong Russian there you go he's evil all of a sudden
1: <laughs> yeah yeah like war
0: games yeah 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 I mean we just we just had that I mean along with being terrified of nuclear
1: annihilation and don't forget <laughs> in the 80s like we also they also made some pretty sweet bad guys like, not yeah. bad oh yeah. Oh, so many yeah. good bad guys. Oh, we see a really, really good one in this movie and in Arnold's old buddy, and Olive Dorsen, in the Rebel King uh, a little bit later. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Right. He was the one he knock knock with his M Two O three. Knock knock. <laughs> knock knock. <laughs> so good. Okay, going ahead of myself. Number three, speaking of knock knock, is just uh this is in my opinion Arnold's best acting in his action movie phase. Yes. Um, I think of all the other movies and like I mentioned before, like people are quick to talk about the Terminator movies, but he's playing a robot, which yeah. could be hard on its own, but at the same time, it's really a, a one note performance. And the big difference being in the second one, he throws in some one liners, which are memorable and they're fun and yeah. funny. But in my opinion, just him being paired up with such an awesome director at the time and with um, and being given, you know, the, the lead not in necessarily just the movie but also in this team um, he, he really runs with it and he does an awesome job
0: yeah it's not an easy role to play his character that has especially in the second half of the movie so little dialogue
1: mm-hmm. so little dialogue um, all physical acting it's not necessarily the physical acting of just throwing people through windows or picking up a truck and throwing some C4 or explosives in it it's, it's right. the, it's the uh, physicality mixed with I would say inventiveness um, that his character has to really and embrace in order to defeat his foe right You see a lot of he see a lot of facial acting especially when he a way that the third act yep. to where the predator is or where he thinks the predator is because the predator has active camouflage at a certain point and he does so so good acting with his eyes especially there's one scene I'm thinking it was Heads against the log and people looking around and then like, he, re- he hears maybe the blood behind him, like, dripping mm-hmm. down and he, the predators, actually, and the moving behind him, does not see him, but Arnold's eyes are telling you like, he's yeah. picking up everything that's going on around him without him having to say, he's <laughs> right behind me? And like, he's, he's avoiding all the one-liners, which, you know, I love the one-liners for just their longevity and, right, um, and just their humor, but in, in the sense of this movie, he keeps the one-liners like pretty much dedicated to just like a couple of the goofier scenes, like the handshake and throwing the machete to the guy
0: around. Yeah, and it's in the beginning section of the movie. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely an underrated performance. People don't talk about it as much as, as they probably should. Some of the great action performances, mm-hmm. you know, people will refer to Predator all the time as a great action movie, but I I think people don't realize how how great Arnold really is
1: mm-hmm. in yeah. this one. Yeah, and you having to adapt because it goes from action movie to survival horror when the people are starting yeah. to be picked off, and there's right, like there's nothing you can do like you try to trap it, you can try to fight it, but in the end, what do you do? You run away. So you become that right. you
0: become that final girl, as I mentioned before, that yeah. that ends yeah. in this movie. The final girl. <laughs> well, has this been uh, the Thanksgiving moment on? Uh, Predator Minute Podcast. Thankful
1: moment. Brought moments. to you by John and Jeff.
0: <laughs> Everyone's thanking The whole world's thanking you. Might have one in another year or so. Cause if I'm doing one a week, like this. it's going to be going for a couple of years. <laughs> right. Like three episodes of thankfulness. All right. So do we have anything else here on the list?
1: I don't have anything else on the list, because as I mentioned before, with the script, the script is pretty much a one-to-one, what they say in the movie. Yeah. Whether that means changing things up, as they actually film, they say, hey, if it sounds like a good line, we'll put that back in the script. Yeah or they are being totally faithful to it. I'm not really sure, but yeah, I don't I don't think I
0: have anything else. Jeff, where can people find you? Oh, you can still find me on Twitter. <laughs> at Car- I should specify for all the people that have been trying to flood Twitter to follow me that it's Carl with a K. If you were searching Carl with a C, I'm so sorry. You could not join the thousands of people that are now flooding my Twitter account. But you can find me at Carl with a K, hungus. Carl, excuse me, Carl with a K, underscore, hungus with a capital H, 314. Carl Hungus Pie. Come follow me. I don't think I've updated, uh, I haven't tweeted anything in several days. So you can look forward to that. Okay.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you, Carl Hungus Pie.
0: I'm also on Facebook and I'm on Instagram, Jeff Glover. Although I never use my Instagram. I'm really I'm really bad at this.
1: Speaking of social things, you can find Better Minute on Twitter and <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. And if you've ever tracked someone through the jungle, let us know how you did it and how in the world you knew that it was a dozen people plus another half dozen, plus two hostages. you were You can do that at PredatorMinute at gmail.com. And for all things Predator Minute, I have been John Spursky.
0: And I'm Jeff Glover. And until next time, stick around!